Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. This was actually one of the hardest weekends I think I've ever been through. And not because anything was going on in my personal life. My personal life is uh, just fine. Couldn't be any better, really. You know, my kids are well. My grandkids are well. I have a great marriage. Um, You know, I'm financially secure. I don't need any major repairs on my cars or my house. I mean, everything in my personal life is all right. But my freaking country is not even on the brink of destruction. We're like headlong. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how we recover from this. I'm just not sure. I'm not giving up. And right now, about half the people listening to this show right now are in their cars on their way to Trump National Doral, where they're going to rally at 2 o'clock, and then I believe President Trump will be there around 3 o'clock. And those who are not on their way to Miami right now are still planning to show up tomorrow morning outside of the Wilkie Ferguson Courthouse on North Miami Avenue at one o'clock. And I get it. You know, I, I absolutely get it. As a matter of fact, a lot of people have always asked me and wondered why I have not been a very visible member of what's now called Club 47, used to be 45. And I answered that question really for the first time on Friday, when many of you noticed that a good portion of my show was pre-recorded because I had a speaking engagement, at which time I ran into the president of Club 47, who's a dear old friend, he and his his wife are dear friends, and he said, why don't you come to these meetings? And I said, well, you don't understand. Like, and, And it was funny because exactly what I explained to him was happening to me at the very moment I explained it to him, and that is that I am really, um, I am not a very social or sociable person. And I know that people assume because I'm on the radio that I'm always on. And it's actually not true. I get on in front of a microphone, uh, wherever you have that microphone, if I'm speaking or if I'm on the radio or on television, you know, the microphone, click, something happens and I'm on. Once the microphone is no longer activated, neither am I. And so when people want to come up to me at public events, first and foremost, I am so appreciative that they care, you know, that people will come out to hear me speak, that they will want to shake my hand, that they will thank me for saying things that they think and uh, thank me for being true and standing on the wall. And, and so, of course, I'm, I'm th- there's a part of me that's so super thrilled. And the last thing I want to do is offend anybody. But then there's this other part of me 
And, you know, I keep saying that, you know, Elon Musk made it possible for those of us who are somewhere on the spectrum to finally say it out loud. You know, none of us ever talked about it because, you know, we know the difference between being somewhat on the spectrum and and being autistic. And, and I am somewhere on the spectrum. I have a tremendous amount of attention deficit disorder. I always have. I've been able to channel it and make it really useful for myself. I believe it's the, the, the key to my success in many arenas. And, uh, and I also have this social anxiety that is unresolved after years of public appearances. As a matter of fact, it gets worse with the time. Um, and, and as I said before, it's not that I don't appreciate the people who wanna shake my hand. I totally, I couldn't do this without you. I, I wouldn't be on the air 33 years in August if that wasn't how you felt. But on the other hand, it arouses something in me that's very, very um, uncomfortable. And I'm always eager to make an exit, but I can't really make an exit without being rude. And so I avoid a lot of appearances or I orchestrate them so that everybody knows I wanna speak before the general meeting and then I wanna leave. And, uh, and that way people are still listening to the general meeting when I'm on my way out the door. And, you know, th that's not because I, I you know, am insincere. It's just that I do have this social anxiety thing that happens and it's not abating. As a matter of fact, it's definitely worse than it's ever been before. So I was able to explain that to my friend Larry and he totally understood. And he deals with a lot of really prestigious speakers. He brings a lot of people in and, uh, and, and many of them don't wanna be uh, approached after their speech by hordes of people. You know, there's like a thousand people gonna go to this meeting tonight, right? And so I said, Larry, I just, you know, I, 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 you've known me for years, almost two decades. And you know that I make great speeches and then I run. <laughs> And he, he was able to acknowledge that, you know, that he didn't take it personally, that I wasn't going to these events. I said, I know what happens at every one of your events because somebody leaves the event and calls me from their car phone. So I know, I know. So he said, I really would like you to be there to speak this week. You know, it's actually tonight. And I said, well, you know, as much as I would like to accommodate you and as much as I would like to see Carrie Lake, never mind my husband who is, you know, totally smitten with Carrie Lake, you know, in a non-ridiculous uh, way, but he just thinks she's dynamic and beautiful and, and, and right on the money. And, you know, she's, she reminds him of kind of a, a, a younger, more photogenic, telegenic me, you know, so of course he's... He's fascinated by her. So I said, you know, I really would like to do that. Let me think about it. And of course, he sent me an email, a follow-up, and said, come on, I will make sure that you come in, you get seated, um, and, and we have a number of security people there. I'll make sure you don't get mobbed, and, and, and I'll help you to leave, on, and, and all that other stuff. So what am I supposed to say to that? No. You know? <laughs> in other words, he took away all my excuses, and they're not excuses. They're like legitimate feelings. Rob me of them. Thank you, Larry. And so you know, the plan is I'm going. Now, mind you, the people that will be there, a lot of them will have spent the entire day supporting Donald Trump physically, visibly. They'll be at Doral, they'll hear him speak, and then they're gonna come to a, a meeting of the Club 47 and they'll hear Carrie Lake speak, and they are revved up, and that's all I'm gonna say. 
I'm not going to sound the alarm because I'll tell you tomorrow after I take the temperature of the room tonight and it will be, um, it'll be upwards of 100 degrees because you have to understand, we are really genuinely pissed off. We have had enough of what's going on in Washington. We are sick and tired of political partisanship, which has now weaponized law enforcement in this country. And I don't care what you think of Donald Trump. I really don't. You're entitled to your opinion. But you can't believe that what's going on right now speaks well of this republic and speaks potentially of a disaster the size of which you will never, ever be able to imagine. You know, first and foremost, you know, now that I've had some time to think about it and read about it and all about that, when you have a liberal like Alan Dershowitz, who never voted for Donald Trump, now I know he's defended Donald Trump in the, in the past, but Alan Dershowitz is a con constitutional expert, a very, very um, opinionated person who doesn't back down. And he says that the Trump indictment actually fails a very crucial test. And so I listen carefully to what he says. He says that it doesn't meet what I call the Richard Nixon standard, which was very clear obstruction of justice, destroying evidence, paying bribes, and none of that appears in this 37-count indictment. He said this is too close a case to bring against the man that's running for president against the incumbent president. Two paragraphs in this indictment do not appear to meet the standard of the planned prosecution of former President Nixon, right? To say that Trump allegedly showed some unidentified writer and publisher and some staff members a highly confidential plan to attack a country? Did anybody publish that? No, because we would certainly know and they certainly would have mentioned it. So he, after Mark Milley makes the comment that he stopped Trump from ordering an attack on Iran, Trump shows some writer, yeah, this, we were going to, you know, we had a plan of attack. Isn't this amazing? And then he said, and this is what's really critical, this totally wins my case, except that it is highly confidential. As president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't but this is still a secret. So in other words, he acknowledges that he may not do anything with this information. And his braggadocio may be offensive to you and it's actually offensive to me. But it's not a crime. And he was charged with crimes, including illegally disclosing national defense information. What did that end up uh, costing our national defense? Ha have, we, have we been attacked? Ha, has anyone published that from some other country? No, because it never went anywhere. And of course, you're going to hear an exemption from the lawyers working for Donald Trump. Is How can you justify him showing something to somebody who doesn't have a security clearance, allegedly, that included some information about a plan to attack? You know, all he has to do is claim he didn't show it to them. He could say he just waved it in front of them. That's 
what he does. He's kind of, you know, that's the braggadocia that may offend us. Now, of course, everybody's talking about the tape. There's a tape in the voice of the defendant himself that says, you know, that that he uh, that he showed that information. Here's the problem for this prosecution. And more importantly, here's the problem for you and me. Because this is my country. This is not uh, Jack Smith's country. This is not Joe Biden's country. This is not the Department of Justice's country. This is not the FBI's country, not Chris Ray's country. It's not Congress's country. It's not the, you know, the House or the Senate's country. This is my country. This is your country. And this is a bottom-up country. The founding fathers were very deliberate. We make all the decisions. We tell them to our representatives, and then they act on them. And there is nobody in this country except the most ridiculous leftist, you know, I hate Trump people that just to me that, that Trump derangement syndrome uh, should be a, in the DVM and there should be a medication that you can give people for it because it's ridiculous. It's stupid. And they look ridiculous over and over again. It's indictment in New York and it's uh, investigating in Georgia. And now it's this uh, federal indictment in Miami. And, and I'm looking at this stuff and, and all I keep saying to myself is you got one set of laws for Democrats and one set of laws for Republicans. And you just keep proving that to us. You just keep showing us that it was extreme carelessness if it's Hillary Clinton. And it's criminal behavior if it's Donald Trump. It's just oversight if it's Mike Pence or Joe Biden, but it's a criminal offense if it's Donald Trump. I mean, give me a break. Nobody's buying this. That's the problem for the prosecution. Now, there are other problems, but when you have a country that now doubts that there's equal justice and that there's safe, secure elections, you have lost your country. We're in the process of losing the United States of America. You know, w the Presidential Records Act was not mentioned once in this, and that's gonna be most of the defense. But I'm going to point out something that Donald Trump said this morning, but that I heard uh, many times over the weekend, and the last time I heard it was a virtually hysterical, I thought he was gonna have a stroke, Mark Levin saying that they have one goal, and that is to put Donald Trump in prison for the rest of his life, to get him out of the public arena for the rest of his life. Because all they need is one of these charges that carries a 20-year prison sentence. He's 76 years old. He will die in prison. And that's what they want. That's what, you know, Stalin, and Lenin and Castro did to their opponents. That's not what we do in this country. The insanity that I'm watching is amazing. It really is. The government has a very heavy burden of proving every element of the crime beyond a reasonable doubt. Now that they've made it a criminal offense, okay? Smith said it's uh, serious crimes. They must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. And now we get to the court of law, Miami. They chose Miami. 
Now, of course, they would have had a big fight on their hands if they tried to do this in Washington where the grand jury handed down these indictments. But they thought, well, at least if we go to Miami, there'll be sort of this illusion of uh, a, a more bipartisan population so that you could get a jury that may not be all, uh, you know, liberal Democrats like you're going to get in, in Washington, D.C. I mean, I'm just speaking facts. And so they decide Miami. Then it gets randomly handed out to judges. I mean, these things happen in a rote manner. Who's next? Who gets the next case? Who gets the next big case? And so they ended up giving the case to a woman who Donald Trump appointed to that seat. Now, I'm not going to tell you that uh, she should recuse herself. I have no idea if she intends to recuse herself. I really don't. I don't think she, he need, she needs to recuse herself, to be perfectly honest. If she's going to follow the Constitution, just like they always keep telling me, everything should be all right. Well, we'll, we'll get to see. But I think they made a miscalculation when they thought that they would have a more receptive or that the public was going to feel better that the case was going to be tried in Miami. Have they not been to Miami lately? I'm just wondering. You know, uh, I was just in Miami. You know, I was actually at the Doral recently. And Miami is comprised of a lot of different international people many of whom fled communism, many of whom watched show trials against political opponents in Venezuela, in Cuba, in, in other South American countries. And then you put them on a jury and you tell them that the sitting president, who is the executive in charge of the Department of Justice, no matter how many times you keep saying, well, this is in the hands of, uh, you know, Merrick Garland, and Merrick Garland says this is the hands of, of, uh, uh, of the prosecutor. I don't care how many times you say that, okay? This is political, and everybody knows it. And when you show some Cuban patriots, some Venezuelan patriots, and some American patriots, or any other patriot, this kind of prosecution, they get sick to their stomachs and afraid for their own freedom. Because what ends up happening when you allow this in your country is they will take your liberty away from you. And if you don't believe that we now have people in power who want to take your liberty away from you, I remind you that three years ago, they forced you into your homes, they closed your churches, they closed the schools, they will do anything they are without shame. They are without morality. They are without any form of decency. And we better, I'm telling you right now, we better push back as hard as we can and try to stop this because if we don't, game over. United States of what? It won't, it won't exist. And I don't know about the rest of you, I ain't going down without a fight. I know the, uh, the military is now offering people from other countries. This is where they're looking for recruits. They have to take exceptional members, they said. Uh, um, they have to take exceptional methods. They are offering people who are growing up in anywhere, Nepal, whatever, join the military and we'll make you citizen. 
we're in deep, deep, deep trouble. We really are. Let me take a break. Don't forget to check the app out. Put it on your phone. Put it on your computer, the 850 WFTL app. You can get streaming news and can hear my No Restraint podcast. And there's not much restraint on it this week. Um, and, of course, you could get breaking news. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. That's uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, now we're going to get to the nitty-gritty. And I have other things I want to talk about today. I know in spite of the fact that I'm so upset, I can't even tell you um, the conversation that I had at 7 o'clock this morning with my husband. My husband is a really mellow dude. I mean, uh, many of you remember for 20 years, he was the voice of uh, smooth jazz on Love 94, I mean, when he talks, it's just so smooth, right? And and he's really not the kind of person that gets super worked up about much. Now, he is political. I couldn't be with someone who didn't have a political, um, you know, who didn't have an idea of what was going on in the country or around the world. It just wouldn't work. Now, the fact that we have a spiritual life together makes it perfect, right? But this morning at 7 o'clock... He was literally wringing his hands, standing in the kitchen. He doesn't generally get out of bed that early. He might be up, but he usually stays in there. And he's wringing his hands in the kitchen and telling me, what's going to happen to this country? What's going to happen, Joyce? I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, you know, I know that if he's like that, I have politically active friends who must be out of their minds right now. And, you know, my job is, is multitask. You know, I, I, first and foremost, I have to keep you pumped up because we got to fix this. We got to make this right. We got to try our hardest. But then part of me wants to calm you down because we cannot make mistakes. You see, almost all of this indictment is based on a single mistake that was made. And they know how to get you to make mistakes. They're already predicting violence at the courthouse and violence at Doral, and, and, and he's egging people on, and he's gonna be, you know, I, can, I can see it all now. You know, there's gonna be a special prosecutor. Did he encourage people to be violent if people show up at the courthouse in Miami? And are, I wanna tell you all right now, we're gonna fight this battle with, with clean hearts, clean hands, and I'd like you to clean up your mouths a little. I heard a lot of the F word this weekend. We don't need to use that. There's a logic to our, our complaints. We are allowed, according to the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights of the Constitution, we're allowed to redress our government with our grievances. That's built in, okay? So that also means we are allowed public assembly and we just have to be mindful that we don't create situations. I'm not Antifa. You know, I am a person who values the liberties that were enshrined in that Constitution. 
and I'm watching them get trampled. So I'm not going to take it lying down, but I'm going to be mindful that what they want is to make us look terrible. Because, you know, Donald Trump said it years ago in 2016. It's not me they want. It's you. But I'm in the way. And I believe that. It's not him. But he gave us a voice. He made promises. He kept promises. And they got to take him out. This is obvious to me. You know, I, I said to somebody weeks ago, if I were him, I'd be very fearful right now because they're in a no-holes-barred battle against him. And I'm one of these people who truly believes that if they ever release all the documentation about certain assassinations that took place in this country, that we may find out that federal law enforcement has been very knowledgeable about some of these things, if not participants. And when I see what's going on right now, I get afraid. Not afraid for me, because he's, he's taken all the arrows. He's standing in front of us, taking all the shots. And they are. They, I mean, you and I could not withstand the trial. Just think about that. I mean, it destroyed um, Michael Flynn. It destroyed uh, Roger Stone. You know, the cost of these trials, the, uh, the loss of income for the time spent. And we're talking about a man who's running in a presidential primary and ultimately, I believe, will be running in a race for the White House with criminal indictments hanging over his head. The world is watching us, okay? And just because Jack Smith and Merrick Garland are not embarrassed, just because Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are not embarrassed, doesn't mean that there are no decent liberal Democrats out there who are embarrassed. Because what goes around comes around. And if, if they get away with this, they'll have to deal with whatever mutiny happens in Congress. And whatever mutiny happens at the ballot box, because that's the way we're going to fight. Listen to me carefully. There is a process, and we have not utilized it to the best of our ability. We blew it in, in 2016, but it didn't cost us the election. It almost cost DeSantis his election. We blew it in 2020 completely and totally. We allowed legislatures to make changes to voting. Uh, we, we allowed COVID to be used as an excuse for mail-in ballots to anybody. We are tolerating illegal immigrants in New York voting. I mean, we can stop all that. We can stop it by becoming alert and by championing the cause of fair elections and a fair process of law. You cannot apply laws to Donald Trump that you're unwilling to apply to Hillary Clinton. That's not how this system is supposed to operate. And there's nobody out there, including, you know, uh, Dershowitz and, and to a certain extent, Turley. Turley seemed a little bit nervous to me on the panel yesterday. And, and I get it because I was very nervous on Saturday. I was nervous on Friday. 
because you know I, I have a sense of how they are willing to go to any lengths. And I'm afraid because the, the, the reality is that so is Donald Trump. And this is playing out on a big stage. And we are damaging not just our reputations, but we are damaging the order of this whole world. Because when we sat here for decades, for centuries, saying that's tyranny, we won't tolerate that here. That's tyranny, we're gonna have a revolution and separate ourselves from the British. That's tyranny, what they're doing in Cuba. That's tyranny, what they've done in China. That's tyranny, what you see in Russia. That's tyranny with the mullahs in Iran. We've been sitting here calling all these nations out. And now they're watching us. And they're going, and what exactly do you call what you, what you guys are doing right now? You have one political party actively trying to take out a political candidate at any cost suspend any rules you know the only real um, peace that I found this weekend and that I kept saying to myself over and over again and this is the mantra I want all of you those of you that are driving down to Doral those of you that are sitting by your computers those of you that have been on the phone all morning those of you who have been watching stupid news all morning turn it off and listen to me here's your mantra this could have been Worse, but they picked the wrong guy. They picked the wrong guy. He's not going to lay down. He's not. And ultimately, when they figure this out, and when they see the amount of support that he's got, and it's huge. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking around the country. Huge. He's now at like 65% to get the nomination. It's the highest numbers he's ever had. You know, uh, most of his opponents are saying, eh, it's not right, okay? So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, so when he doesn't lay down and he doesn't stop paying lawyers, he's gonna pay a fortune out to lawyers, he's gonna be broke at the end of this, okay? But don't worry, because when he gets elected, like Obama and everybody else, he should be rich after the presidency. <laughs> what work for Clinton and Obama should work for him, right? So that's, that's the mantra. This could have broken the nation, but they picked the wrong guy. Let me take a break, I'll be right back. So my phone picks up everything I say, as Sharina pointed out this weekend when she got a text from me that was completely irrational. And I was just uh, doing my show and, and now my grandson is looking at a text of me and my psychosis here, but that's okay. He's 16, he needs to, he needs to start thinking about these things for real. So, uh, you know, I think one of the best things that I wrote was by, wrote, read was by Eli Lake. He wrote it, I read it in the free press. And, you know, he said, it looks as though Donald Trump broke the law. He said, but that law shouldn't exist. And in the final analysis, I'm not sure that he did break the law. Um, and I've heard enough lawyers who are not sure either, including, you know, pretty smart guys. 
including Dershowitz, including Levin, and you know, th there have been plenty of uh, people saying, I, I don't see the crime, I don't see, you know, the Presidential Records Act is gonna move past this. It, at most, it would have been a civil misdemeanor kind of thing, and instead they try to make a criminal case, and that's where their undoing is gonna be. But here, here is the, um, here's the caveat to that. It is very seldom that you prosecute somebody for violating the Espionage Act. You know, this is a, a, a statute that was, it, it, first of all, it was a train wreck when it was written in 1917, okay? And President Woodrow Wilson used the Espionage Act as, as a weapon against people who were dissidents. Does that sound at all familiar to anybody? Yeah, just, just saying. He went after the socialist leader, Eugene Debs. He convicted him in 1917 of violating the Espionage Act because he gave a speech urging his audience to interfere with military recruitment. The Supreme Court upheld the conviction even though that was a clear violation of Eugene Debs' First Amendment rights. He was just making a speech. He, he eventually was pardoned by President Warren Harding, uh, you know, in the 1920s. And now we look at that, when we look at that case, and everybody had to study that case. If you took political science, if you, certainly if you were pre-law or law, that case was always brought up as an abuse of prosecutorial power from the Department of Justice. Because one of the main problems with the law is that it doesn't distinguish between spies, actual spies, people who give or sell state secrets to a foreign power, or people who just want to tell the American people about their, you know, what the government is doing, or how the government might be abusing. The law is like giving a loaded gun to the government against journalists. Now, obviously, if you have real spies, like, um, Julius and, uh, and Ethel Rosenberg, who gave, or actually just helped Stalin uh, get the atomic bomb. You had Daniel Ellsberg. He leaked the whole secret history of the Vietnam War to the New York Times. And we now think of that as the Pentagon Papers, right? He was prosecuted under the Espionage Act. You had Edward Snowden will be, was prosecuted, Chelsea Manning, reality winner, who provided The Intercept with an NSA analysis of Russian cyber probing or whatever of election systems. He's been prosecuted under the law. So you take a civil libertarian like you and me, argue that, what, what is this Espionage Act? It's too vague and it's dangerous. Because forget about what they're doing to Donald Trump, it actually criminalizes anybody uh, being a whistleblower against the governor. I mean, even Ellsberg himself, okay, and he's about as left as you're gonna find, told Congress for years that you gotta repeal that act. I in an interview with the Washington Post in 2013, he accused President Barack Obama of trying to assure that sources in the government will have reason to fear heavy prison sentences for informing the American public in ways he doesn't want by prosecuting them under this 
ancient 1917 law statute. Now, I'm not saying that uh, that Donald Trump is a whistleblower. I'm not saying that he is a dissident. He was certainly not doing this because of some, you know, I don't believe that he waved around that paper if that's what he did, you know, because of some higher calling of patriotism. His mishandling of any state secrets in this case might have been a crime of vanity. But that's it. He did not spy. He did not give any foreign power information. There's no evidence in Smith's indictment that Trump wanted to keep the secret documents from his presidency to sell them to another country. That's what espionage is. More importantly, senior public officials do this all the time. They mishandle state secrets more than you might think. And the worst penalty that they ever get is a slap on the wrist. After President Clinton's national security uh, advisor, Berger, stuck documents, classified documents in his socks in 2003, he was sent to, to 100 hours of community service and I think a $50,000 fine. And maybe he lost his law license. I don't remember, but I think he did. And he definitely lost his security clearance. Okay. When David Petraeus, the retired general, when he gave his girlfriend and biographer access to highly classified notebooks from the time he spent in Afghanistan, Prosecutors were thinking about charging him with violating the Espionage Act and lying to the FBI. He ended up pleading the charge down to a misdemeanor offense. But the most obvious answer, and the one they don't want to talk about, is Hillary Clinton and her use of a private email system for official business when she was Secretary of State. Now, mind you, she's out there this weekend hawking hats that say, what about her emails? Merchandising. Jim Comey said that the FBI was unable to prove that Clinton willfully mishandled classified information by using her private email server, even though they found evidence of seven emails, seven email chains, anyway, it was probably more than that, in which Clinton discussed highly classified matters. And in the end, Jim Comey said Clinton and her colleagues were, quote, extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. And that was that. I mean, come on, guys. Equal justice? Not. Not at all. It's important to note that, you know, that Jim Comey cleared Clinton of willfully mishandling classified information. That's what they're trying to distinguish Trump's case from Hillary's case, right? Smith charged the president with violating 31 counts of a subsection of the espionage that deals with the willful retention of national defense information. In other words, he's alleging that Donald Trump knew he was supposed to return the classified documents to the government and deliberately chose to keep them. That's a pretty big supposition. Comey, by contrast, said that Clinton didn't know she was violating the law. You know, this is, this is outrageous. It really is. And for those of us that, you know, saw it unfold and kept trying to warn people and people kept saying, eh, it's okay, it's not going to be bad, that bad. Don't worry. Are you worried yet? You believe me now? I'm sure. Coming up at 1 o'clock, another man on fire.
Dan Bongino. Uh, at 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. You know, he'll do the legalistic uh, tap dance, but he can't agree with this. This is nightmarish. Uh, at Matt Walsh at 5 o'clock. And the WPTV local news at 6 o'clock. Let's hope I don't make it onto the news tonight when I go up to Palm Beach. Anyway, I'll be right back. So, look, you know, I, I, I'm angry. I know a lot of people are angry, but my job is to tell you what's happening and then to remind you that we d we're going to do this right, okay? You know, when, when Jim Comey had a double standard when it came to Clinton and Trump, uh, we, we didn't find that out until John Durham's final report just now. But given that finding, it's pretty fair to question whether Hillary Clinton got special treatment on that investigation. And that's what makes Merrick Garland signing off on this indictment by Jack Smith such a big mistake. Because you don't give one person, Ch Clinton, the most charitable treatment in the investigation of her possible violation of the Espionage Act. That should have become a precedent. And then to throw the book at Trump now for a similar breach, that's, that's the double standard that Durham was talking about in his report. We now have it. It's, it's, just, it's just true. So you got to consider the moment in which all this is happening. Merrick Garland is effectively inserting the Department of Justice into the political process. He may be totally indifferent to the outcome of the, the Republican primary, but there is no way that the Department of Justice emerges from this mess looking at all good. And in a country that right now has a lot, lost a lot of confidence in various parts of its government, this further politicizes and delegitimizes one more government institution in the eyes of millions of Americans. Doesn't matter how craven or how reckless or if they're even true, how stupid these moves were by Donald Trump, but the damage done is nothing compared to what the FBI has done. The indictment will do to our political and legal system so much damage that it will take years It'll take years for us to undo this. So the fight starts. I told you a couple of weeks ago, they want to fight. Well, guess what? They got one now. They got to fight. And thank goodness, the commander who's sort of walking in front of us, taking all the slings and arrows and paying all the law lawyers, he is not going to give up. And if he's not going to give up, then I'm not going to give up. And if I'm not going to give up, I know you're not going to give up. So bring it on. You know, that's all I can say. Bring it on. We'll fight you in the courts. We'll fight you at the ballot boxes. We'll do whatever we have to do short of violence. You know, I'll withhold my taxes. I was about to send my quarterly taxes. You know, you want to play? I'm not going to fund these kinds of Department of Justice escapades. How about that? Go ahead and take me to court. Yeah, th there's plenty of ways we can fight, and we got to fight. That's all. So obviously, I got to calm down. My blood pressure's through the roof. I thank you for your time this time until next time. If you're on your way to Doral, you know, s say hey for me. I'm there with you in spirit. Um, and I'll see many of you tonight. And I'll be back on the air tomorrow at noon 
Hopefully I'll get down to the courthouse first, but we'll see what happens if it be his will and he delays his coming. God bless you. And all I can say is, you know how in England they say, uh, God save the queen? Well, you know, I have a different twist on that today. I'm going to say, God save America. Please, God, we need your help now. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.